Winning has a price. Back to the Doggy Juice Pod. This is episode number 153, Thursday, December 28th, 2023. And I hope all of you listeners out there had a great Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever you celebrate, I hope you were able to have some quality time with your loved ones and that you're having a great holiday season as we prepare to turn the calendar to 2024. We only have a few days left, 2023, the Jordan year, and I've got a special pod for you all. Last night, Wednesday night, the 27th, I had the pleasure of sitting down with one of the rising stars in the sports betting industry, Justin Mader. Justin's an attorney based out of Dallas. He was a star intern for me at Play Up a couple years ago, and now he's leading gambling operations for the Professional Pickleball Association. And he also does his own podcast with Daniel Wallach, who I consider to be one of the best, if not the best, legal minds uh, in sports betting. And Justin has his finger on the pulse of the entire industry, so I couldn't think of a better person to come on the pod here to review the year that was. We took a look at the biggest sports betting stories of 2023 and offer some predictions on what we're likely to see in 2024. Before I jump to our end-of-year recap interview with Justin, college football. We got there with our two college football bowl game selections here on the podcast. Hopefully all of you were able to cash on Oklahoma State and Air Force and their games and their bowl games. They both ended up being good at no matter what price you paid, but you could have had plus money on either team on the money line, and we actually saw both of those teams close as favorites. And actually, uh, Oklahoma State closes a three and a half point, or maybe was it four and a half? It was north of three uh, that game. And of course, I think they're plus three when I initially gave them out, but even said anything at plus money on the money line was good to go. So that that was a nice way to play the bowl season. I don't really have anything else for all of you uh, as we're rounding out bowl season here. I did see some money coming out of my my alma mater, the Iowa Hawkeyes, um, yesterday on, on Wednesday. Now they're, they're at least at seven, there was some money at buyback on the Hawkeyes. As for the NFL, we only have two weeks left of the NFL regular season, which is pretty wild. After the interview with Justin, I'll close out the pod with our official Doggy Juice Pod NFL teaser of the week for week 17 as we look to improve on our 9-6 and six record on the year after passing on last week's card. All right, though, without further ado, let's get to my interview from Wednesday evening with Justin Mater. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to welcome to the pod Justin Mader, one of the rising stars in the sports betting industry. And I say that not just because he's a former intern of mine at Play Up, uh, but because he's truly making some big moves in the space and has made some big moves in the space already this year. He's running uh, gambling operations at the PPA Tour, the Professional Pickleball Association. He's also involved on the media side. Uh, doing podcasts. Uh, I don't know how you find time to sleep, Justin, but welcome on to the pod, my man. How you doing? I'm doing well. And, you know, it's had a had a good Christmas break here and really was able to see a bunch of the family and was grateful for that. But yeah, I mean, when you have sort of this passion when it comes to the sports betting industry and really uh, the legal intersection of it, you know, you just find ways and, you know, the podcasts are something that not only are some thing that I can get my word out about different things, but just being able to hear others and their thoughts on the industry is just huge for learning in the space. Well, you're doing really good work. And I, I know what it's like to have, you know, work on the 
you know, just your, your day job and then put together podcasts and all, all the prep work that goes into that, all the, you know, the editing, the, all the stuff behind the scenes that people aren't really aware of. So, um, yeah, you're taking on a lot and I know you're also, um, you're, you're local normally to, well, I want a little bit of background on you too, because for everyone to hear, but yeah, you're from Indiana originally, you, um, went to law school at university of New Hampshire school of law, and now you're out in Texas, right? Correct. Uh, so you've been moving around a bit the past couple of years. Yeah, it was, like you said, I sort of grew up in Indiana. And then when law school came around, I really wanted to have a different mindset and different setting when it came to law school. Uh, and got lucky and went to UNH and had an amazing time there. Originally went there for IP because their IP program is just amazing. Uh, but luckily was able to kind of shift my focus and uh, focused in on sports law with Professor Michael McCann, who those in the space really know him. He's done a great job of building up that program at UNH to focus really on sports law. I mean, I took, I think, five classes that were focused on sports law in some way, and I think people are lucky to have one uh, normally. Yeah. So, you know, I'm grateful to that, and I think that really helped shape where I'm at right now and just hoping that, you know, I can do the same for others. Yeah. If I've learned one thing, it's like just an industry, the industry gets smaller with every you know passing year. And like, you know, a lot of people know Mike McCann. He's a good guy, a good common denominator for a lot of people uh, in the, in the sports industry, not just sports betting. So that's how we first, uh, he's our common denominator too. Uh, that's how, <laughs> how we met. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I can't think of a better person to bring on to, to discuss um, just 2023, the year that was, we'll keep this really high level and just talk about some of like the big storylines, of course, because there's a lot. And as you are aware more than anyone else, Justin, like it, the new cycle in sports betting, I mean, there's enough in a week to, uh, you know, a week feels like a year basically. So just some of the stuff we're talking about, even like it's, it's crazy to look back at like where we were a year ago entering 2023 with a couple big state launches to start the year with Ohio and Massachusetts and, and some of the other big, you know, just big picture things happening happening in the industry. So, well, Justin, I'll dive in here to just a few uh, things that we deem as like the top stories of 2023. And you know, if, if if anyone wants a deeper dive into any of these subjects, there's definitely stuff out there, and, and certainly in some of the stuff that Justin's putting out there. But let's start out with um, legalization updates. Obviously, we have we've had new state launches um, this year. I mentioned a couple of the big ones right there: Ohio and Massachusetts to start the year. We've seen a couple others come on board. Kentucky was was a, a big one that joined the fray this year. Maine finally launched, even though they <laughs> that one that one took uh, quite a while before uh, they finally got up and running there. But that just happened recently. But I would say probably the biggest legalization story of the year is one that you've been covering a lot, Justin. And that's the, the Florida sports betting side, and and obviously Florida is. And only as, as a state like only Florida can was a very unique in the way uh, that we saw sports betting come. Obviously, if people have been listening to this podcast, you know that a couple years ago it was live and, and well, I guess arguably legal, but at least live. You can make sport, you can make your sports bets two years ago for a very brief period of time um, in the Seminole State, and then we saw the legal mumbo jumbo start and basically. Hard Rock, which is the only game in town, they of course have the deal with the Seminole Tribe. Uh, they they closed up for a couple of years. We saw that play out in the courts, but then Hard Rock reopened um, later this year, and and uh, and now they're live again. So I don't know if you could share like some of the big picture thoughts that you know that you have on Florida and where things are there, and just maybe just a, a bird's eye view of, of what's happening in Florida for everyone. Yeah, the biggest thing to know is that you know this is far from over. 
when it comes to being established in the state of Florida. I know that the residents are happy right now that they have their sports betting back. It's through the Hard Rock Casino and the app. They have mobile sports betting, especially now in the heart of the NFL season, in the heart of college football season. This is when, you know, we really see monthly revenues spike because we're, you know, really hitting the sports equinox when we have football, basketball and hockey all really, you know, in midseason form. And that's really where you're going to see a lot of that money flowing. But for Florida, you know, in the Seminole Tribe, they're really running into multiple fronts of legal challenges where they have, uh, you know, Wes Flagler, who's bringing the challenges to not only the Florida Supreme Court, but, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court. So as we see these play out, you know, we're going to probably see the Florida Supreme Court make their decision here in early 2024. Um, And then whether, you know, what their decision is could make it you know, last a couple months or it could drag out for years to come because, you know, they could make a decision denying West Flagler's, you know, requests for everything that they've had on their docket. But as far as the other options to go, you know, they could kick it to the lower federal courts within the state. And that would be another, you know, three or four cases that we see before we get a resolve of that argument that West Flagler brought. And then, of course, like I said, they have their challenge in the U.S. Supreme Court that if granted cert could, you know, span the better part of a year where they're basically going through the different arguments and oral argument and then, of course, coming to a decision. And again, what that decision means could mean the shutdown of Florida sports betting like we saw again. So like you said, whether or not it's legal or not, and whether or not the state is actually back is very much in contention. Uh, but there's a lot, especially if you're sort of a legal nerd and really like to follow along with a saga. And I do believe that this is a saga that has far-reaching applications beyond sports betting. I think it has a lot to do yes. with tribal compacts in general and IGRA. And so, you know, you could really see these sets of cases be something that gets added to a textbook very soon Um, because I believe that anybody that follows the sports betting realm and even just Indian law in general, this is going to be something that is going to be very big if it gets up to the Supreme court and they come to a decision. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's well said because it's, it's the the far reaching impact that this could potentially have is uh, just in case law in general, that's where, where my eyeballs are and where this could have a big impact just because you see that those state tribal compacts come into play so much um, on a state-by-state basis, California is the, the perfect example of that, where we saw that uh, that referendum uh, ballot measure last year fail in an epic, in an epic manner, I think <laughs> you could say. So, um, yeah, like a decision like this, especially since it's being played out in multiple courts, I mean, the non-zero chance we see the Supreme Court weigh in on this. And um, it's going to be, I think, uh, something that impacts the entire industry and out, even outside of gaming, like you mentioned. So um, definitely something to watch. Texas, of course, we got to touch on Texas briefly, just because um, you know, also a huge state. And I, I know I've brought this on on uh, you know the pod recently as well too. Where Texas, it's unique in the sense that they meet every two years. And correct me if I'm wrong, this, but like they they don't even meet next year. The Texas legislature, I don't think it's till 2025. Um, Correct. Yeah. So next year we'll see a lot of politicking. But the big news that came out of Texas, where you know, if you're an optimist on this stuff, and the reason to be half see the glass half full right now is. The big deal, of course, that just happened with the Dallas Mavericks and the Adelson family uh, basically buying, the, the, I believe, a majority stake or at least a, a large stake. I think it is majority stake. I um, believe it's rumored to be a majority stake. I don't think that, 
you know, papers have been signed and, you know, filings have been filed. So I think it's very much, it's rumored to be a majority stake, but you know, I think Cuban, again, even if he sells majority stake is still holding on to that basketball operations role. So he's yeah. still really doing what he loves. Yeah. He wants, I, I did read, I guess like final say on all basketball ops thing, which is, you know, that's great for him. And, and he's, yeah, I mean, obviously Mark Cuban being who he is, he's a, a big mover, obviously in Texas, but there's other big movers there. But now we have the Sands group, you know, literally in, in bed with Mark Cuban in Texas. And that's really noteworthy just for where things are moving forward. You've heard talk about, uh, you know, a big res- casino resort destination in the Dallas area that they want to, you know, erect and, and bring up. So the, it's definitely that that's a big step. I also think, you know, that you saw the house pass a sports betting bill, which should, you know, it's obviously got to clear the Senate, but that did happen this year, which kind of was a bit of a surprise as well. So there's a lot of political, um, obviously battles going on there, but I think that Texas this year, we might, or 2024, I said, looking, looking ahead, we might see a lot more movement, but of course won't see any legal sports betting until at least 2025, um, in, in your neck of the woods, at least. So, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one to watch just because people I know that's you also have Louisiana and Mississippi watching very closely because they're, of course, getting a lot of their revenue from people coming over from Texas, you know, going to Biloxi and, and playing the games there. Of course, where sports betting is legal. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think that Texas is, you know, the the whole sale to the Adelsons. I think it's really, you know, it's a, it's I've been told it's kind of a two front war. You know, you have the people that have been sort of lobbying for sports betting uh, and they've been, like you said, mildly successful getting it past the house. But they really kind of just needed to get over that last hump. And unfortunately, like you said, it's going to be two years here instead of, you know, just waiting till next year. But I, I, I'm optimistic for sports betting, but I think the casinos and that whole play into it, I think is going to be a whole nother realm because, I don't know with all the effort that has been made on the sports betting side, I don't think they're going to want to wrap it into a full on casino bill with sports betting and horse racing and all of those things all in one, because then it becomes a lot harder to get through. People want to make amendments all over the places. People want to, you know, object to part of the bill, but not the whole bill. And so it's very much uh, one of those things that I think for sports betting to get through in 2025, it's really going to have to be its own sole thing. It's going to have to be its own measure brought before uh, the house and the Senate. It's really going to have to pass that way. And then I think once that passes, then you'll probably see that momentum flow into the casinos and everything. And like you said, yeah, that formation of just this giant casino slash sports mega complex, it's supposed to be a destination resort, which makes sense because since moving down to Dallas, you know, this has all come out. I've talked to a couple of people that have been there for a while. They have said the same thing that, you know, people don't visit Dallas very often because there's not a place in Dallas to go to. You know, they might say, oh, let's go visit you know, Dallas, you know, proper. But then, where? okay, where do we stay? We don't really know. But, you know, people go to Florida for Disney World. People go to California for Disneyland, Hollywood, Los Angeles, like, there's these places that are in themselves, these sort of resorts or different places that you can go to. But Dallas is just kind of Dallas. Now, in all fairness, I've moved there. I love it so far. I will not complain at all. I've loved the food. Honestly, I've loved the temperature coming from, you know, the northern states. Uh, But, you know, I'm in agreement with them that it's very much not a destination in the fact that there's not a place to go. And I think that, again, this is sort of the plan for the Cuban sale is – this is going to lead to this giant 
uh, casino slash sports complex. And I, you know, I'm excited for it. I think it's a very bold endeavor. And if they can pull it off, you know, it's going to reshape Dallas a little bit. And the fact that it's going to bring in a lot more tourism and become a little bit more of a resort town. And that can only help, you know, the sports teams. It can only help the local businesses that will get more of the traffic from people coming in. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, that's, that's really well said to, to your point, the Roselli family road trip in uh, 2004 down to Texas, we made a stop in San Antonio, Austin and Fort Worth, but not <laughs> Dallas. We want to see the, the Fort Worth, of course, right in your back door there, but yeah, we didn't go to Dallas. And like, that's your case in point, you know, the family. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and I think that the broader point too is, is you mentioned that I'm in danger of bringing us down a, a rabbit hole here. So I'm trying not to do that, but, but you see like the importance of, and you see with eye gaming, which is of course, you know, online casino mm-hmm. that's legal in six States right now. And, and that's really the end game for a lot of these companies and these you know, sports betting is just such a small drop in the bucket. And I think that you made the point there that like, it's really not the main focus. Like it, it really is getting that casino up and creating, there's a bigger picture thing in play there and, and, and wrapping sports betting into it. You've seen other states do it. It, it really muddies the waters, makes things more murky. And and uh, so that's always you know, got to be, I think, part of the focus. Of course, New York and iGaming Bill is you know, that's being discussed as well. And that's really, you know, the, that's the end game when you look at it, the whole percentage and the amount of money you know, involved in, in casino games. It's a whole different game. It's a whole different, different party. So absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to shift the focus a teeny bit here to a i guess what I, some people could argue is the biggest story in the industry this year and i would not tell them they're wrong and that is the, the dfs plus whatever you want to call it, the the bet against the um you know against the house you know whatever you want to call it but these underdog fantasy or you know better of course price picks one of the, the big names um you've seen this stuff finally come front and center with the, the cease and desist letters you um, you've seen some states like Colorado work with these companies to at least, you know, change the the rules a little bit to allow them to keep playing ball. You've seen some states just say, you know, absolutely not. You just saw uh, Virginia uh, just last week. I mean, Virginia is an example. Their attorney general just released a legal opinion saying that they believe that, that type of, of uh, gaming is, is illegal there. Of course, they're not cracking down on it yet, but that's telling. And you're seeing other states kind of follow suit there. Um, that's been a big one. And I, I've, you know, a lot of people are up in their arms saying, oh, yeah, DraftKings and FanDuel are behind this. You know, of course, in Wyoming, you know, they I think they basically confirmed that DraftKings FanDuel did lead the regulators down that path of, of and I think Wyoming might have been first releasing the uh, cease and desist that kind of started the dominoes falling. But is this something that surprises you, I guess, that we're finally seeing that crackdown? Because I can see the argument from like a sports book side, like, hey, we're paying licensing fees and, and taxes for this stuff. And these guys are packaging it up as something different presenting as a parlay and especially in states where sports betting is not legal and they're getting those customers and it's giving them an unfair edge, but um, that some, some can argue that, but I, I'm always for myself, I, I consumer protections. I'm always for like a better betting experience and more outs and more ways to bet. It's good for me as a better, but I also feel like there should be a level playing field. Are you surprised to see like that finally kind of come front and center this year? And I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that whole issue. I'm not surprised on two fronts. One, uh, is the fact that I do, you know, I do think this skirts the legal line and it's one of those things that, you know, they're not really hiding the fact of how they're, of how they're playing. They're not hiding the fact that this is, you know, DFS against the house. And so it's very, in this like parlay type of game, different things like that. 
Uh, and it really does just kind of, you know, perk people's ears up when they hear these kinds of things. And now do I believe that FanDuel and DraftKings are behind this whole, you know, like mob mentality, go after them because they want this whole share for themselves? No, I think that the regulators would have come to this conclusion on their own. Um, But also the second, you know, reason that I'm not too surprised about it, especially with the crackdowns is this is exactly what DraftKings and FanDuel went through when they first started daily fantasy sports. And because the industry already started separating, you know, daily fantasy sports from again, daily fantasy sports plus or 2.0, whatever, whatever moniker we go by, um, you know, just naming it that the, it kind of tells you that the experts in the field see this as something different and, you know, probably your underdogs, your prize picks, they wouldn't call it DFS 2.0 because they probably know that calling it that automatically makes them a target for some sort of regulation, Um, but again, I do think I like, I'm not surprised. I know that they've had, they have arguments as to why they believe it, you know, it fits under some definitions or, you know, states have so far punted in defining daily fantasy sports enough to where this would really fall out of the definition of daily fantasy sports. And so I do think it is one of those things that it was bold enough and shook the industry enough to where something was bound to happen. Whether it was, you know, people lobby for definitions to be changed or whether they lobby for definitions to be a little more, you know, fleshed out in the point where we can figure out whether or not these DFS products are legal or illegal. And then, of course, like you said, you know, the DraftKings and FanDuel's have gone through the regulations. They're paying, you know, exorbitant amounts of money to be able to do this. And they're saying, you know, they should be doing this too. If this is illegal, please figure out whether or not this is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, again, not too surprised, but I have no idea which way this is going to go because, again, this is a state-by-state is- issue. You're seeing dominoes start to fall, but then you're also seeing other states go, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it will, you know, it'll, it'll be a while before I think this is really all figured out. And in that meantime, you'll probably see a couple shifts in the business strategies of the prize picks and the underdogs for sure. Yeah. No, I, I can't tell you how many people like even earlier this year and in the past couple of years that have reached out and like, hey, is this like really like something that's legal? Like <laughs> this prize picks thing I'm doing like feels a lot like sports betting. And like, yeah, it's uh, definitely open to interpretation, but it does feel like if, if a reasonable person, you know, using your reasonable person standard, if they're thinking it too, there's probably something to be said where it probably needs a little bit more regulation and, uh, and oversight. But uh that's definitely been a big one. And I think it's kind of linked to it a little bit. The other big story, which I would probably call my biggest story of this year, is responsible gaming. I think some of the attention that that was deserved and finally turned towards the industry has finally happened a lot. Now, you got to really tip the cap to uh, I think the Ohio and Massachusetts regulators really for um, – for really bringing that into the forefront this year. They asked a lot of the tougher questions, especially the Massachusetts regulators and their, mm-hmm. their licensing. You saw some of the questions they were asking and uh, they're really getting down to the nitty gritty on that. And that probably was the final domino for Barstool RIP, you know, Barstool sports <laughs> uh, because they, once Massachusetts started dealing with them, it's like, Oh boy. But um, so that, that's been a big issue. Of course, we had some big scandals that were big stories with the Alabama baseball coach. I mean, Iowa, where my, my alma mater, University of Iowa, and that state with, the, of course, a lot of the athletes uh, getting caught for betting kind of makes you wonder how much of this stuff is happening that, that is not being caught, of course, too. But it at least brought these conversations to the forefront. You saw 
college deals with sports books early on and stuff. And, and some of these companies running just un, untethered, like just, and you saw some of those deals get just nixed completely. Um, so I think that was good for the industry, but I guess in, to, in your mind, responsible gaming, obviously it's something that you deal with in your job with the pickleball tour and stuff. Do you think there's still more to go or do you think we're, you know, are you at least like, I guess, like happy with the pace that we're, that we're taking in the developments this year on that front? Yeah. I mean, I come at this from sort of two different aspects, you know, and a lot of what I've done is sort of on the regulatory side, dealing with, you know, figuring out the best way to go about integrity when it comes to sports and different things like that. And so, but also I am, you know, an avid better when I'm in a state that is legal, unfortunately, since I moved to Texas, I've not been able to do that. Um, And so, you know, being back in during Christmas, I have placed my fair share of bets and unfortunately have not done well. Uh, but again, it was, very, it was fun very. while it lasted. So it's, it's very much one of those that, you know, I'm coming at it from two angles that responsible gaming is important. First and foremost, that, you know, those that are at a point where they need help, that having the resources available and making sure that those resources are known to everybody um, can really be of help. And, you know, talking with some people at G2E when I was there in October, it really did seem to be a focus for the companies. Now, whether that was just lip serve and talking about RG because they knew it was going to be a big thing. Um, but the people who, you know, definitely meant it were a couple of the regulators that I talked to, um, you know, whether from Tennessee or Virginia um, and a couple others, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, that's their focus is because they have to be the one to push the companies as much as possible because the companies, let's be honest, companies are there to make money. Um, they're not going to do anything out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, they're going to do things when they're either pressured by their you know, consumers or when they're pressured by the regulators, in this case, with the sports betting companies. And so I think it's a great balance that you have sort of the companies that are really starting to, you know, find very unique ways to do it, to do this. You know, there's been different commercials that have started to highlight responsible gaming. There's been different advertisements that really highlight the responsible gaming more than just the straight up sports betting. And then with the whole 1-800-GAMBLER at the end. Um, and so it's very much one of those that I think we're going in the right direction. And this, like you said, the States that are now coming online, they're asking those deeper questions because they really can, you know, the States that started really wanted to get it out there and wanted to set the stage when it came to just the regulations. But now you have these other States that are like, okay, well, we're just copying and pasting their regulations. So we've already got that figured out. Now we need to dig into the nitty gritty and the responsible gaming is really something that, like you said, Ohio and Massachusetts could very much hit on. Yeah. No, well said. I'm looking forward to seeing like where, how this continues to develop, even heading into next year too. And you know, like you said, so these companies, like it's, it's literally their VIP players who are probably the biggest, the, of course, the, the biggest part of their business, the most coveted part of their business. They're, they're usually the ones that are more of a, of a responsible gaming risk. And, you know, the yeah. same thing you said about the inverse, the guys who are a little more serious about it um, and maybe winning, you're limiting them because they're winning, you know, they're, that's the exact opposite. So absolutely, um, it's against the business model. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, we're, I want to touch on industry consolidation too briefly, but there's mm-hmm. not much to be said there. I mean, besides we saw some obvious stuff with fanatics buying points, bet. you know, the, the 
I mentioned before Barstool Sportsbook is gone with Penn and now Penn relaunched with ESPN bet. You saw more books close their doors. You know, some bigger names you saw like Win pull out in, in most of their states. Uh, companies dropping out entirely um, and even pulling back their spend like Caesars uh, announcing they're pulling back their marketing spend too. I don't know if you have any like specific thoughts there or anything that you've noticed in the in consolidation or any like big picture thoughts there or we can just move on too. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, well, I think I think it's starting to be seen. Um, I will give this up because I actually thought this was going to be way bigger of a flop. Um, I do think ESPN bet is going to be very scary for those that are not the top two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen over the first couple of months here that they've just been able to, you know, capture a certain audience. And of course we knew they were going to have some power with the fact that they're ESPN, they were going to be, you know, all over the channel. They were going to be, you know, promoted by some of the bigger, you know, Pat McAfee show is now ESPN bet instead of fanatics, uh, or FanDuel, not fanatics. Um, and so it's very much, you know, they're doing a lot to integrate what they have. Now it's a matter of retention. Can mm-hmm. they, you know, have the tech behind it? Because that's really some of the things that I've, you know, when I listen to different podcasts, sometimes I do the fun podcast. Sometimes I get into these nitty gritty ones and I listen to some of them that talk about, you know, the tech being the most important thing because, you know, fanatics and DraftKings or FanDuel and DraftKings, I keep saying fanatics. I'm looking <laughs> at it on the screen. Uh, FanDuel and DraftKings are both, you know, very highly regarded when it comes to tech. Um, and of course, I think Bet365 is as well, but Bet365 is, of course, not in the U.S. No, so um, it's very much, you know, can Penn with ESPN really put together the technological product that allows them to sustain whatever market share they're going to plateau at? Um, because I do think they're going to plateau here soon, but where they plateau at is really, you know, up for debate. And I know that when I listened to their earnings call, their goal was 20%. And so, you know, it's a lofty goal because at that point you're not just eating the small ones. You're also taking away from the big ones. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, when promotions dry up, when, you know, the whole, I guess, honeymoon period of seeing the ESPN dries up. When, when is that going to occur and what are we going to see as far as the shift? But again, consolidation, especially, I mean, Penn needed to do something. Barstool was an absolute train wreck. Um, It was, it was, you know, an experiment that went wrong, but I think the consolidation is pretty good. And again, I give props to ESPN bet for being, you know, doing better than I thought they would out the gate. Yeah, no, I agree across the board. And I think like, I'm, I'm a little more bearish on them on ESPN bet moving forward. I was pleasantly surprised early on with, with you know, their launch, which I guess I shouldn't have been because they're able to lean into so much, you know, just in uh, integrated content and what they're doing. And everyone of course has ESPN on a lot during this time of year with, with the, like you mentioned, the sports equinox with all the sports going on at once. So it's just part, it's ingrained with us, but I, I am a believer that product is going to win out. And that's where I'm looking next year is it's, it's whoever gets the product, right. And you said at DraftKings FanDuel, maybe they had a head start on it too, but they have the best product clearly that's reflected in the market share. And that's where ESPN bet is, is that's where their challenge is because there's a lot to be desired uh, with the product right now on them. But, uh, but they're at least it's trending uh, in a decent directions. So I guess like, you know, I, I mentioned, prediction for next year i think what we can close out here with one final thought and i i want to hear what your i guess let, let's call it one big long it doesn't have to necessarily be a long shot but it could be something that maybe most people aren't thinking is going to happen in 2024 um, that you think may may just happen next year 
I, I don't know if this is something that a lot of people think is not going to happen, but I believe that Florida sports betting will be taken down again. Um, <laughs> as much as Hard Rock is up now, given the fact that there's so many cases going on, I do believe there's eventually going to be a court that rules against them to the point where they have to, and it might not be a full stop, like, or not a full rule against them as in the whole compact is invalidated, but there could be to the point where they say something is not right with the sports betting. We want it to stop while we figure this out. And I think that, you know, the way that that's probably going to happen might be through the U S Supreme court um, Mm -hmm. or a lower federal court in Florida. If it gets kicked that way from the Florida Supreme court, but that's that's my prediction is that I think that Florida will unfortunately have to go through another phase of trying to figure out sports betting. And I think that it's going to get taken down again. Interesting. And yeah, coming from you, be, be, as much time as you spend around Daniel Wallach, who I consider to be the foremost <laughs> legal authority on the, this Florida issue, uh, that's that's saying something, too. And I think it also is. You know, it's it, it's saying something on one side that Hard Rock relaunched and, and did this whole thing, but there's a lot of money at stake. And for me as a better, I, I'm a big believer that you need competition. So if Hard mm-hmm. Rock's the only game in town, you know, I've, I've said this on the pod recently too, like there, when you only have one game in town and one price, it's just going to lead people, especially a lot of the bigger betters who are putting more down, they know they can get a better price. It's going to lead them back to the black market or offshore or even to a neighboring state. And that's bad for, for everybody involved, the, the sports books, the, tribes the taxpayers themselves so it's um that's gonna be something to watch i think Florida. that's an interesting one i did not expect <laughs> you to say that one to be honest with you so we'll we'll see I, I guess mine it's a bit of a long shot hot take but i'm gonna go to nevada kind of where the sports betting has you know of course it's been the, the epicenter of u.s sports betting las vegas of course and everyone knows about the in-person registration requirement, but I think we might finally see, and maybe that won't be lifted next year, but my one of my hot takes is I think that Nevada is either going to eliminate in-person, that in-person registration requirement or take major steps to make that imminent at least. And, you know, you look at some of these bigger companies, DraftKings, FanDuel, they're not going to go in there as long as that's the case. But Caesars, I mentioned before, they're pulling back that spend um, and they're no longer, they want to go to that universal app. And I think that's really the, probably what the, what's going to lead this over is, is some of these companies realizing, Hey, you have an app in Nevada or people coming in from out of state more so. And it's, they already have the, the apps funded and the friction just isn't there when you could just mm-hmm. travel in, your money's already uploaded and you could just place your bets. And I think it's just a matter of time. Of course, the political power in Nevada is, is something <laughs> major, but, um, but I think Caesars is one of the, of course, the, one of the biggest proponents against lifting that, reg- that requirement. I think it, it's going to behoove them potentially to to be on the, the other side soon. So that's mine. But yeah, I, I kind of I can see that happening. I know that, like you said, sort of Caesars is on the other end of that, wanting to stop it. But as we see the market evolve here into 2024, it might be to the point where they realize, okay, this is a, just a way we have to go. Um, we didn't like it at first, but you know we see the sand sands shifting, uh, and it's very much. You know, we're, we're going to have to do it eventually. Yeah, um, I'm with you. All right, well, th- this has been awesome, and I you know, didn't want to keep this too long. Of course, it always goes longer than I quote <laughs> everyone. But uh, let's uh, let's tell everyone where they can find you, Justin. I mean, like, you got so much going on, so I'll leave it to you to plug your, your social media, what you're doing with the PPA, and all the pods you're working on. Where can everyone find you? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Mater law. I try to be on there as much as possible. It's really fell off in the, you know, the last couple months or so. Uh, but the biggest part or biggest place you can find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, just search up my name and hopefully find me through the PPA again, gambling operations manager. And really I, I do like to connect, uh, a lot via LinkedIn and I'm always down for a quick 30 minute chat just to discuss whether it's sports betting or just sports in general, um, or, you know, if you're listening and you happen to be a law student, I was in your steps, not, you know, I more than a half a year ago, or I guess a year and a half, um, at this point, man, time has flown. Um, so I'm always willing to talk to, you know, law students as well that have an interest in either sports, uh, sports betting, gambling, any of those areas, as far as their, you know, careers, it's definitely something that I'm always up for. And then you can also find me on uh, a new podcast I just launched with, as you said, Daniel Wallach, uh, Lawyers, Lines, and Money. We're really trying to focus in on a lot of the legal policy and legislative aspects of uh, you know, sports betting, iGaming, daily fantasy sports, really trying to hit it all from you know a lawyer's perspective. Like you said, Daniel Wallach is super involved in not only just Florida, I mean, that's his home state. So of course he kind of really deep dives into all the Florida stuff, but, um, he's very much in the sports law space and the sports betting space and very knowledgeable and has been there for years. So that's really the podcast I'm involved in. And then of course I always shout out, you know, kind of my alma mater podcast, uh, conduct detrimental because without them, I feel like a lot of this wouldn't have happened. You know, Dan lust over there. And of course, Dan Wallach was part of the forming of that as well. Um, they're a great sports law podcast. They really seem to hit more of like the breaking news. So if you ever, you know, hear about something on that's like, Oh, I want to hear, you know, this lawsuit that just filed or, you know, this suspension, what does it mean if they appeal it? A lot of that stuff they'll dig into and they're really great about it. And I know that they also do a lot when it comes to NIL and how that's been transforming. And of course, with the NCAA updates recently about them, possibly looking to pay players through like an employee status. That's, you know, something that they cover as well. And so again, shout out them as well, but uh, you can find me again, at lawyer's lines of money. And then on my LinkedIn, it's the best place you're gonna be able to find me. He's everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, you didn't even mention your F1 knowledge too. That's the other thing like you, you one of the uh, guys we're in the off season. I, I'm, I'm forgetting about that right now. There's no fun. Everyone's under contract already. So yeah. there's going to be no contract disputes. There's going to be nothing because you know, last year we had the old uh, uh, team announces driver and the driver puts out a Twitter post saying, uh, I haven't signed a contract. And then the other team putting out, hey, we've signed this driver. And so it's, you know, that was fun. But this offseason is going to be kind of boring. So, yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, when we get you back on next year, it'll be, it'll be some F1. Maybe it'll be around the time of the Monaco Grand Prix or something like that. We can win everyone casually watches. Or we or you can that just break great. down the Las Vegas thing. But, but yeah. uh, what happened out there? That, but anyway. Um, yeah, so good having you on. He's a rising star, ladies and gentlemen. So I really appreciate it, Justin. It's been uh, – thanks for sharing your wisdom with all of us. And uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. And Happy New Year to everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you very much again, Justin. That was absolutely terrific. I highly recommend all of you listeners give Justin a follow on social media and LinkedIn. And keep him on your radar because that man is poised to make some big moves in the future. All right, let's close out the pod in 2023 with a look at the NFL Week 17 teaser card. Before I get to teasers, if you want an even deeper dive into the NFL Week 17 card, last night, Wednesday night the 27th, I went on the Props and Hops podcast with friend of the pod, Matt Landis. It was a live show and we broke down 
some angles that we're looking at heading into this weekend, including NFL teasers, of course. And I also shared some secret sauce in my college basketball handicapping process, specifically how I adjust my ratings for home court advantage in college hoops. And we also discussed some bigger picture sports betting industry topics and expanded a bit further on, uh, on a few things that you heard Justin and I talk about in my interview with him in this episode. So I highly recommend checking out uh, this week's episode of Props and Hops and, of course, making that show a part of your weekly process if you haven't already. Nobody in this business is more prepared and professional than Matt Landis, and it's always an honor and a pleasure going on his show. Back to NFL teasers, though. For anyone unaware or any new listeners out there, you can find a nice mathematical edge when you tease two teams on a two-team six-point NFL teaser uh, through the key numbers of three and seven on both legs of the teaser, and as long as you're paying minus 120 juice or less. And, of course, a lot of sports books out there, most sports books out there, the overwhelming majority have guarded against this by raising their teaser pricing or offering dynamic pricing, uh, basically charging you more for doing just that, teasing through those key numbers. It's also known as the Stanford Wong teaser, the, the classic advantage NFL teaser, and everyone and their uncle's aware of it now, but it's still been a nice moneymaker for us. And So if you're able to get it at minus 20 or less, uh, DraftKings out there still lets you play at that price. And if you're able to get even less than that, some offshores and, and, and uh, books in faraway places offer minus 110 on these teasers, uh, two-team six-point NFL teasers. So uh, definitely cherish that if you're able to get down at, at those prices. But we're 9-6 and six on the season on our official Doggy Juice Pod NFL teaser of the week. After passing last week for the first time this year, we simply just did not have two good enough options to pair together. I'm not going to force anything for you guys here. That would uh, be irresponsible. But this week we do have a few candidates and three in particular that I'm going to dive into here. Uh, this week's candidates, we have the Browns on Thursday Night Football. Hopefully you're listening to this in time. Uh, you can get them from minus 7.5, laying 7.5 points, down through the key numbers of 7-3 and three to minus 1.5 at home, of course, on Thursday Night Football against the Jets. That's a really good option. Another one, and I, I like all of these, all three of these I'm going to mention, just to be clear. Uh, the Saints, you can also get from plus 2.5 up to plus 8.5 at Tampa Bay on Sunday and in that uh, interdivisional matchup that has some uh, some pretty big uh, complications. That one looks pretty good, too. Total's a little bit higher for my liking, especially for this year, but uh, definitely one where you could just ask the Saints just to keep that within one score against Tampa Bay, and, and you're really getting a little bit of a point spread tax on uh, back in the Bucks at this point, too. Um, kicking myself for not getting the Saints at plus three because they were, uh, you could have got them at three until um, at least a, for at least a day or two. I think it moved to Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't have my screen up right now. But uh, and the third option is the Chiefs, which is not a traditional one because that one's at seven now. It was at seven and a half, but the Chiefs' consensus right now is, is minus seven. So you can tease them down from minus seven down to minus one and really just ask them to win the game outright. Um, I always tell people in the long run, you're better off just laying the seven instead of teasing them down because you are just buying points after all in teasers, but um, you're getting a better bang for your buck, of course, teasing instead of doing a money line parlay, as I've discussed in the past. So I could justify teasing the Saints down, or sorry, the Chiefs from minus seven down to minus one, just because I'm not sure that that's going to close at seven or less. I make it 8.2 myself after doing my adjustments finally uh, this morning from last week. Um, Chiefs definitely won the stats, of course. That was a, a bit of a, a, when you dove into the stats in that game with the Raiders, it's actually kind of surprising that the Chiefs lost that game outright. But um, I think you're getting a little bit of a decent buy low spot on the Chiefs here. 
and you're just asking them to win the game outright by teasing them you know, down to minus one, and, and you're in a good spot if that game closes a little bit higher. Of course, that's uh, nothing's guaranteed there, but worse things you could do, I think, than ask the Chiefs to win that game outright at home against the Bengals. So that's the other option. And for our teaser of the week, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to include the Browns, but looking out for all those listeners here, this is not going to come out till the afternoon on Thursday. I don't want to give out something that most of you aren't going to have time to get down on. So if you are able to include the Browns uh, down to minus one and a half, I, I definitely recommend doing that. But for our official Doggy Juice Pod NFL teaser of the week for week 17 in the NFL, let's, let's call it the Saints from plus two and a half up to plus eight and a half paired with the Chiefs from minus seven down to minus one, just asking them to win that game outright. I know it's not a typical traditional teaser, but we're going to do it. So Saints paired with the Chiefs this week. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, the final episode of 2023, the Jordan year. As always, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And as I always say, if you enjoyed listening to this, just please take five seconds to rate the Doggy Juice pod on Apple and leave a review. Even that quick rating takes five, ten seconds can really help. Or better yet, share it with someone who you think would be interested and, and can benefit from it. Just you know, word of mouth means so much. And sharing this with a friend who you think might be more interested in learning about this, uh, the latest in state-by-state sports betting legalization or just how to become a better Uh, sharper sports better during these exciting times in the industry anything you could help do to spread the word would really be appreciated always love you guys listening appreciate all of you and a special thanks again to justin major for coming on the podcast this week Um, that was a really awesome interview and like i mentioned before i had the pleasure of going on the props and hops show this week so be sure to check out this week's episode of props and hops and definitely follow that on a weekly basis as well all right everyone thank you for listening enjoy your new year's eve and closing out 2023. Good luck on your action. I'll talk to you all again next week as we ring in the new year. Doggy juice 